Well, it is great to be together tonight, and I'm glad to see that you've come out to study and praise God. And uh, let's open our Bibles to the book of Exodus to start tonight. The book of Exodus, chapter 19. Exodus 19, starting in verse 4. There God made a statement to the Israelites. And I want to note it and then look at uh, at the book of Hosea together uh, and see how things changed. Exodus 19, verse 4. God says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey My voice and keep My covenant, then you shall be My own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is Mine, and you shall be to Me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And He instructs Moses to speak those words to them. The Israelites have witnessed very recently at this time, have witnessed God's judgment. They've seen His righteous justice dealt out to the Egyptians. You recall that whole scenario where there was the command to let the people go so that they might go out into the wilderness and worship God and He wouldn't let them go time and time again. So the plagues come along and eventually they're released. But the Egyptians chase after them even through the opened waters of the Red Sea. And once the Israelites have cleared the other side, God closed it on the Egyptians. And so they had seen God's judgment and righteous justice on the Egyptians. And they also witnessed His mercy firsthand. When they got to the waters, they thought there was no escape, but the Lord provided for them a way. A way that could have been provided through no other hands but His. But God placed a condition on His continued blessing of them. And the condition was that they must obey His voice. They must keep His covenant with them. And tonight we're fast forwarding through time a thousand years. All the way to the book of Hosea. And we're going to read now Hosea chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Hosea chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says, Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, Murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. And therefore the land mourns. Everyone who lives in it languishes along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky and also the fish of the sea disappear. And so here in Hosea we have God coming with a case against the people. That they made an agreement with God so long ago, and now they've chosen not to keep it for so many years. They've chosen to ignore God's voice, and so He had no choice but to honor the covenant made between them. Their blessings were being taken away, and yet they continued to run into the arms of sin. The people were behaving like all the nations around them. 
They were behaving as heathens. And there's a warning that stands in the book of Hosea for Christians today. And that is that you cannot claim to be God's people, then not obey Him and expect Him not to notice. It just doesn't happen. The people of the northern kingdom of Israel were observing perhaps many rituals which seemed godly. And in so doing, they were proclaiming their allegiance to Him, but in their life they'd left Him far behind. In their life they had filthy mouths, they were full of deception, they were thieves, murderers, adulterers. And at the same time that they claimed allegiance to God, they were living in sin and God saw it and He rejected them. And we can't expect anything else from God. Can't expect anything else from Him. Let's take a look now at Hosea chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. He's just gotten done reading to them his case against them. That there's all these terrible things going on and the land is, is rebelling now against them, not giving them its goods. In verse 4 he says, Yet let no one find fault and let none offer reproof, for your people are like those who contend with the priest. So you will stumble by day, and the prophet also will stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. And so here we've got this people... And can you imagine in a time when God spoke to the priests and, and was there with them in the, in the holy places? And these priests would deliver a word from God, a word from God's law. And the people, instead of listening and perhaps being corrected, they would simply look at the priest and say, no, I don't think that's the way it is. You know, that's not very far off or, or far at all from what we have today. They just put it in a little different wording. They say, well, you know, that's, that's your interpretation of this or that passage. And so I, I'll believe my way, you believe your way, and we'll just be fine. You just leave me alone. Everything will be all right. Well, it won't. God said that this is not all right. And He's bringing judgment against Israel because it's not all right. But He says, don't... in." Words that that I see don't bother reproving. People won't accept it anyway. They've proven that over and over again. So they'll stumble. God's done a tremendous amount of work for them to bring them into the promised land, to inform them how to please Him and keep His covenant. And they've rejected His voice. No matter where it comes from, Whether it came through the written scriptures, through the land, through the prophets, through the priests, there was no way they were going to listen. And so God proclaims in verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. Since you've forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. And so here the people have rejected what is right and rejected what comes from God's Word for so long that they simply have forgotten it. Not only have they forgotten it, but of course they aren't obeying it. And God's going to reject them for that. You know, there's a modern application to this that's really easy to see. God's done a whole lot of work for us just like He did for them. 
He's done a lot of work, yes, through Christ, and yes, through appointing the apostles to carry on His work and establish the church, but He did a lot of work to preserve the messages that we needed so that we could know the new covenant, so that we could know what is pleasing to Him today, and so that we could not only know that and have some way to access it, but in fact, He's given it to us and You've got one of these as well as I do. I'm standing up here and I I read things and I figure, well, uh, I'll, I'll read it, but I figure everybody's got access to it. I'll tell you what you really could already know just because that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to offer the reminder, to offer what's already been given just so that we don't forget So that maybe we'll be prompted to go back in if we've been out for a while. But he's done all this work for us. He's done all the work not just to provide the word. That would have been seemingly enough. But he's also established the church. And he's brought the church safely through the centuries. So that even today we have meeting places across the country. We have people who are faithful across the world. People who will encourage us and remind us and teach us and keep us in the right way. Then, after all of that, wouldn't it be a sad thing if someone were to shut their Bible and leave it on a shelf to neglect the meetings of the church where even those who who refused to open the Bible themselves could hear the Word. To neglect coming to Bible class where, uh, where we open the Word of God and we discuss not just what it says, but how it applies to us. How is it going to change my life today? How do I live that principle in the Bible? Wouldn't it be sad if if there were those who just shut the Bible and set it on the shelf and neglected all the meeting times and all of the special events and all these sorts of things that are set up to inform us and remind us of God's Word to help us gain knowledge from God by studying together? Wouldn't it be a sad thing to neglect all of those? You know, whenever I was a kid, I didn't really see... And just stop smiling at me. Some of you are saying I'm still a kid. And, uh, and that's alright too. When I was a younger kid, I didn't really see the point of a Sunday evening service or, or a Bible class or why it's really all that important. And sometimes it's, it's tempting to say, well, you know, I, I didn't really hear anything that I didn't already know from that Bible class. But you know, that's not the point. The point isn't just to hear, you know, just to hear something I've never heard before. The point is to hear what I need to hear so that I can stay in the right way. And a lot of times that means I'm going to hear the same verses over and over and over again because they're that good at directing people's lives. When you come out with a book as good as God's, then maybe we'll read something new. But until then, we're going to stick with what He gave us. 
we're going to read that. Because it's that good at directing life and keeping us in the right place. That's our duty. He's done all the work to inform us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says that He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. If you're writing that down, it's 2 Peter 1, verse 3. And another one that I really like is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4. Let's turn over there to that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4. Paul writes to those Christians and he says to them, When you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. That is such a universal principle concerning the Scriptures. God didn't write them so that we would never be able to understand them. He wrote them so we would read and gain knowledge. It's why He did the work to preserve them. It's why He gave them to us. So that we would know how to please Him. And so we would know the path to eternal home with Him. That's why He's given them to us. And so open the book. Open the book. Listen when the elders speak. Those men who have, who have met the qualities that God says are worth guiding His people. Listen when they speak. Listen to the teachers. Listen to the preachers. And don't reject knowledge. Reach out for it. Run after it. And don't just obtain it, but use it and obey what God's Word says. Sadly, the Israelites, they didn't do that. They didn't reach out for it. They didn't want it. And instead, they put their trust in a lot of other things. Looking back at Hosea chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, The more they multiplied, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. That sounds fairly familiar, doesn't it? The greater the numbers get, the greater the, the group of people gets, whether it's a congregation of the church or whether it's a country uh, in the world. The greater the numbers get, the more secure you begin to feel. And perhaps you start wavering and, and leaving God's path because you feel like we've got so many people here, we must all be right. And surely someone would say something if we weren't, but then, uh, you know, if they do, you just stop listening to that because it's just one or two. That's the danger there and it's what they found. And sometimes we put our faith, our trust in a lot of things. We talked about that in our Sunday morning Bible class in Philippians chapter 3 about not putting our, our trust in anything fleshly. But there's something especially that I see. And that is that when the economy starts to fail... There are Christians who pipe up and they say, well, you see, this is God's judgment on all of us because the economy is failing because we're sinning. And see, there's a problem there because whenever the economy is great, it doesn't mean that everyone's doing what they ought to. That's the problem. And it's what we don't see. Christians should never base their spiritual safety on economic success. That's not the way it goes. Looking at Hosea 4, verses 8 and 9, he says, they, and 
it's possible he's talking about the priesthood here. He says, they feed on the sin of my people and direct their desire toward their iniquity. And it will be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat, but not have enough. They will play the harlot, but not increase because they've stopped giving heed to the Lord. And so here, some people are putting their trust in the priests rather than in the scriptures they were to observe and teach. That little statement, like people, like priest, that's, that's very, it's a hefty warning is what it is. It's a hefty warning because often the way a congregation goes is like people, like preacher. And you need to overcome that because you don't want to be me. You don't want to be me. I don't want to be you. <laughs> don't be like people like preacher. I'll do my best to set a good Christian example. Yes, absolutely I will. And when I fall short, I expect to be told about it. <coughs> Privately, please. But don't be like people like preacher. Be like people like Christ. Like people like Savior, not like people like preacher. They had started listening to the priest to the extent that they were allowing them to direct them into sinful things. And they were all going to be judged for it. The warning of James chapter 3 verse 1 becomes very, very true. And it's almost a repeat of what we see here. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. One of the reasons you incur a stricter judgment is exactly this. You're helping guide people. You're helping lead them in the ways supposedly of God. But these priests had shirked their duty, and the people followed suit. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in the Scriptures which teaches truth. Be like people, like Savior, like people, like Bible. And if the preacher is doing something stupid, don't follow him. Don't follow him in it. There's something else that people follow. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 12, he says, My people consult their wooden idol, and their diviner's wand informs them. You see the sarcasm? <laughs> the diviner's wand informs them as though they're really learning something. For a spirit of harlotry, it says, has led them astray. Something's interesting that comes right before verse 12, and I think it's worth paying heed to. Right before he talks about them going to this piece of wood to find some sort of wisdom and knowledge and looking to a wand, he says, harlotry, wine, and new wine take away the understanding. Isn't that something? That God sees fit to mention all these sins that they were performing and especially the harlotry and the wine, those are removing your mind from being able to work correctly. And so you're starting to go to pieces of wood to find some wisdom. 
How dumb is that? To go to a piece of lifeless wood, a wand to find information. Sort of like going to a magic eight ball today. Remember those? Those things that my older brother had one and I thought, boy, that was the coolest thing because it would tell him all of life's great mysteries. You could ask that thing a question, shake it up and turn it over and up would pop the answer that you needed. Doesn't really work. But that mentality is, uh, is all over the place today. It's all over the place. You know what has become the magic eight ball of today? What removes people's thought process and reasoning faculties and all what they just turn to and they ask a question and whatever answer pops up first, they just, they just go ahead and go with it. Google. They'll just Google it. And for a lot of things, you know, if you're trying to, trying to fix a toilet or something like that, Google is the greatest thing in the world. But when you're talking about serious things, spiritual health, walking with God, what's right and wrong, Google can be your worst enemy. It can be your worst enemy. And not only that, but those of you who, you know, some say, yeah, that's why I stay away from the internet. I just, I just watch TV. And Dr. Oz, he tells me what I ought to do. You know, there's Dr. Oz, there's Dr. Phil. Notice the doctor in front of the name so that you respect him and think a lot. There's a show, in fact, called The Doctors. Right? The doctors. There's the talk, the view. You take your pick of news channels. All of them have their own biases one way or the other. All of these are a form of wooden idols. All of these are a form of the divining wand that you hope will give you the best information without really having to work for it. It's a shortcut. That's what it is. It's a shortcut. And God expects us not to take the shortcut, but to, to open His Word and look for ourselves and see where He points us, not where all these other philosophers of modern day might point us. Open His Word. He's got an answer there. You just have to find it. And maybe that means you talk to your elders about that. Talk to them and have them show you where some answers are in the Word and have them guide you through a study so you understand. Not just so you become a sort of parrot. What's being punished in Hosea is exactly what James writes against in James 4, verse 4. In James chapter 4 and verse 4, James writes, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The Israelites had become the friend of the world in so many areas, and they left God far behind. They still appeared to be doing some holy things. Perhaps to the outside world, they even uh, appeared pious, but they'd stopped listening to God's voice. They'd stopped obeying His commands and they started behaving like the world around them and we cannot fall into that trap. You know, it's really very easy to appear pious to the world around us. It doesn't take much. You leave a hefty tip on the table at a restaurant and then you say, oh, I'm a Christian. And someone says, oh, he's a Christian. 
All it takes is some small thing to appear pious to the world around you, but God doesn't want you to just appear that way. He wants you to be that way. Inside and out. We need to listen to the voice of God. And His voice speaks to us through the Scriptures. Every time they're read, we ought to show respect and honor the message that they give. We need to never trust in the prosperity of the nation or the numbers in our pews, the numbers in the contribution, any of those things. They don't tell you about the spiritual health always. Sometimes they can be a sort of marker, but it's not all that matters at all. There's a whole lot more to it. We need to listen to the voice of God. We need to open His Word and gain knowledge so we can please Him. Let Him correct our path. We need to be a friend of God. And we do that by listening to His voice, following His way. And that's when He provides the eternal home for us. In Exodus, God promised the Israelites that if they would listen to His voice and obey it, that He would bless them. And there's a similar statement given today in Mark 16, verse 16. Jesus says, He who has believed that is in the gospel and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. The same God makes the same sort of promise today as He made so long ago to the Israelites, but now anybody can choose to obey and be part of that covenant in which they find His blessing. Have you obeyed the gospel tonight? If you haven't obeyed the gospel tonight and and you understand that Jesus came, God in the flesh, and lived a perfect life and became the sinless sacrifice to forgive you of all your sins, and you're willing to obey Him and change your life so that you are in line with what His Word presents. If you're willing to do that, then we will hear your confession of that tonight, and we will baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. And tonight, if you're a Christian already who has been shirking your duty to listen to the voice of God, if your Bible has been sitting on the shelf and Bible classes have gone unattended and those sorts of things, make the time for it. Open your ears for it. Because God wants to talk to you. He wants to guide you. And He's provided many opportunities for you to receive that guidance. Step into those. Be part of them. If you have a spiritual need of any kind tonight that we can help you with, we ask that you please make that known by coming forward as we stand and sing.